This is a conversation with Dries Lombard. I just want to say in the right in the beginning of this again, thank you for for having this talk with me. Uh, I've been fascinated by this whole strengths exploration um, because it's it kind of seems to complement what I've been doing before. I've been much more in the kind of therapeutic um, working with people's burdens and pains. Okay. I noticed I'm, I was hitting a wall of. Um, I need to understand people's strengths to also notice what's most important to work with. So this whole strength thing has been super interesting for me. And that's why I'm, I feel very blessed uh, to be able to have this conversation with you today. Thank so you. thank you for that. Um, yeah, and I want to, I want to look at this call today as kind of both covering the basics of strength that I think are easy to, to misunderstand, like what is a strength? What is a talent? because it seems like you and the kind of Gallup approach have a very unique perspective on that as strength is not just something you do well, but slightly different than that, mm. kind of cover the base and then really dive in understanding our strengths. How does that help us? What, the, what positive can that add to our life? That's kind of the, the roadmap I have planned for us. And um, for that, I would love for you to maybe uh, start off with what's a talent, what's a strength? What, what is that? Okay. Yeah, so um, I think it's exactly where we should start is just to to make sure we, we have the concepts and definitions correctly. And and this is not because one, one perception or one definition is the correct one, but people use different phrases, different words uh, to, to talk about the same or different things. And um, when we look at, at this strength-based uh, approach and specifically as embedded in the original research of Don Clifton from Gallup and, and, and what Gallup has made popular and useful with their Clifton Strengths Assessment, um, it's, a, it's important that we get the, the separation between concepts of talent, strength, skill, knowledge, etc. So let's start with, with talent. Um, first, let's look at the, the, the common idea out there is that if, if, if we look at someone doing anything well, we immediately link it to, to talent. Um, and it's usually for us, it's visible and it's at a high, a high level. Therefore, talent is mostly associated with, with either um, visible forms or audible forms of expression or uh, skill that happening. For instance, sport. When you watch any sport, we'll say, wow, that player is talented. And that's true. Okay. Um, music. We listen to a guitarist, a pianist. Oh, what great talent, you know. Art. It's visible. So we look at, at art form and look at the painting and we call that coming from talent. And, and that's correct, but it can be misleading when we dive into the strength-based uh, research and discipline that, that we're talking about. Because when we refer to talent, 
it is not something you do well necessarily. Um, actually, talent in its raw form, in its undeveloped form, in its unexplored form, would be much better expressed by calling it potential. When talent is undeveloped, it is potential. And therefore, a lot of people have talent uh, that you cannot see but it's there. Why can't you see it? It's not discovered or it's not developed and it's not used, but it's there. Okay. So, so that's the first uh, thing that we, we must be clear of is, is that it's not necessarily something that's in your face and linked to high performance or to success or so. It can be behind the scenes. It can be other patterns. So getting to the formal definition of talent from Gallup, Gallup defines it as talent being a recurring pattern of thinking, feeling, and behaving that can be productively applied. So let's break that down. Recurring, it's ongoing. It's not once-off. It recurs. It comes back, and it comes back, and it comes back again. So it's a pattern. It's something that's identifiable as well. There's links. And then it recurs. It comes back again. And then the three areas of thought, the way you think, the way you feel, the way you behave. And then the last part of the definition can be productively applied or effectively applied. So it's something that you can turn into action turn into productivity, turn into something that you do. So, so that none of this that I've said, if, if, if we look at the Gallup definition, we say a recurring pattern of thinking, feeling, behaving that can be productively applied, you will see nowhere in that definition do we address high performance or great skill or doing something well, because it's not that. Okay. <laughs> now, now, what, what it's, I did. it's also it's also this um, when you speak of this oh somebody who's good at something must be talented I mean that's uh, that's a very one-dimensional way of looking at it both from the perspective of what you just shared of talent that is not developed may not actually lead to high performance but also the other way around that actually a lot of practice, a lot of development in an area where there's no natural talent can actually lead to high performance as well. Like that's mm -hmm. something that especially the more deliberative practice um, fields have been looking at that you can actually get very far through very high amounts of practice. So just this distinction of, oh, they are good at something so they must be talented is very short-sighted. Absolutely. And, and that's so important that you, that you highlight that, Lucas, because um, we can do a lot of things at a great level and do it very well through practice, and we call that skill. We become skillful. And um, being human means that we have immense mental capacity and ability, physical capacity and ability, as well as emotional. So there's been 
thousands of years of proof that any human being can push themselves through sheer willpower and practice and skill towards becoming extraordinary at something. And there's many stories of that throughout history, right? Um, does that mean that that equates to talent? No, not necessarily. It can be simply linked to willpower. It can be simply linked to survival. It can be linked to a need that lies within some other area that force you uh, to become great at something. So that's why I took the Gallup definition and I gave it a lot of thought and, and processed. And then I came up with my own shorter definition within the patterns of recurring thought, feeling and behaving. And I simply refer to talent as being two things energy and need talent is consistent recurring energy and consistent recurring need so if you have any activity that links to your thoughts your emotions or your behavior that energizes you whenever you apply it whenever you think in a specific way uh, whenever you feel a specific way or whenever you do something, you feel energy. You feel your energy lifts on all levels and you can measure that. You can measure that simply by paying attention to how you feel before, at the start, during and after an activity. And this can be any activity. It can be uh, a mental, mathematical, analytical activity. It can be emotional, supportive activity. It can be task driven. And usually when you pick up that you, you look forward to doing it, you start doing it with high energy and your energy lifts as you do it. And you actually end stronger when you start than when you finished. You're actually disappointed when it's over. Um, and, and you go like, oh, no, I, I love this, you know, high energy. That's an indication of talent. It's energetic. It gives you fuel. It gives you capacity. So that's the one thing. And then the second thing is need. When you have the constant yearning or constant need to do that. And, and what is that that I refer to? We'll get into that later because there's many different talent teams. But it, again, could be uh, the need for mental activity, specific ways of thinking, or the need for emotional activity, specific ways of feeling and connecting emotionally, or uh, activities of behavior or influencing or getting things done. But it's a consistent need, not a once-off need. It's a need that you realize over time and over exposure that it always comes back and you always get excited and you always feel the need to engage in a specific uh, space or specific scenario or context or environment with specific activities where you contribute in a specific way. So and coming, coming in right here, because I, because I imagine what might be easier for us in our conversation and for people listening, can you maybe just give two examples of thinking and how, how they are slightly different ways of thinking, just so we can kind of look at, oh, these might be two different talents that people could have. 
Let's do that. So uh, thinking. So for instance, um, let's take two contrasting talent themes that Gallup identified through 40 to 50 years of research. The one mm -hmm. is called futuristic talent and the other is called context talent. Both are talents that refer to your way of consistent thinking, your patterns of thought. And if it's futuristic, if you're strong in a futuristic talent, it means that your energy and need will always link towards thinking about the future, being visionary, being concerned with tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and 10 years from now, being involved in planning for the future, trying to identify the future and excited by not what's happening now or what happened in the past, but excited of what's gonna happen. That's what pulls you. And that's the basic aspect of the energy and need of futuristic. If we take another one, context, it's the complete opposite. Context is the historian, it's historic thinking. So people with strong context would always be drawn towards thinking about the past, the history, uh, what happened. Mm -hmm. They tend to be much more nostalgic and, and, and wishing that things would last longer. And they want to preserve. They want to be more, in a sense, conservationist or conservative in, in preserving what they have and thinking back and bringing it along not planning for the future, not thinking about the future, but engaged from preserving the past and using that as a milestone. Very, very contrasting and opposing ways of feeling. So uh, feeling, thinking and behaving, because it, it links to all of that. It means that my thoughts are either when I'm futuristic towards the future or towards the past in context, but that has an influence on my feeling because if, if, if I get cut off from the future and I'm a futurist, it will have a negative impact on my emotions. Similarly to context, even in my behavior, where will I be drawn towards? And we can see that in research, futurists are drawn towards activities, jobs, companies, environments that's futuristic, that's visionary, that engage in future development context, they're drawn towards activities, jobs, companies, environments, that's preserving, that's past-oriented, that's historic, okay? And, and it's because that gives you energy, and, and that's your, your need. So they, that's just a small example of two contra, and only in the thinking domain area. So maybe to make this a little bit visual, because that's one of the ways I like to use my talents, it would be actually that the talent, the talents have a recurring energy and need, which means thinking, planning, uh, exploring the future leaves me feeling energized and I have a constant yearning for it. And if I don't get that, it actually hurts me. Yes. Where on the other side, thinking, exploring the past, seeing what was good about it, leaves me feeling energized and I have a constant yearning to do that. So it's actually, that's the energy and need in this example. Absolutely, absolutely, great. 
that that makes it very clear and um and and so when we when we talk about talent therefore getting back to where we started lucas therefore it's misleading to link talent with high performance or doing something well um and 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 it could even be detrimental why do i say that because there's many many studies and instances and even observations that i've personally done with people where they follow a career or an activity in their life linked to their ability their skill and then over time they realize they're inherently unfulfilled and inherently unhappy and they're great at it i mean you know i have I have talked to, to great successful people over the years that, that says I'm, I'm at the top of my job and I hate every day and, and, and I make a lot of money out of the corner office. I have everything. People look up to me. I hate it. Why? It's not sustainable. And therefore another way that I define the difference between skill and talent is skill is ability. Talent is sustainability. Now, which one are most important for success? And, and that's where people get into an, a, a wrong argument. Neither. It's both and. It's not either or. Yeah. You, talent without skill means nothing. Talent without hard work means nothing. It won't develop. Hard work without talent has got no sustainability. It will run out of fuel. You will launch, you will get to a high altitude, but at some point you'll lose your fuel and you'll go down and crash. So if you have both, if you have the, the drive, the energy, the need, the fuel, and the ability to steer this, whatever it is, this talent, and you can fly this plane, that is when you get to the whole equation of success, that talent plus skill plus knowledge plus experience equals sustainable performance, fulfillment, and success in, in many different ways. And, and that's how we should, should approach this. And then again, I can't remember if you even asked this, but strength is something completely different. <laughs> well, not different. Strength flows from that. Yeah, that's, that's also the, the um, kind of formula you have in the book, this formula of where it gets actually really interesting is when we have talent and we add knowledge, skill, and time to that. So you just, I think the way you just inclu included that time is calling it hard work, but yes. that you, you can't just run on talent, but you also can't just run on knowledge, skill, and hard work because you will lose the, you will lose the fuel. You will just at some point in time, which is then where we get into the burnout uh, and all of those kind of territories. Absolutely, for sure. And uh, remember, <clears throat> we, we, should, we should always keep a perspective here. At times in our lives or our careers, we are called upon through circumstance, situations or people to rely not on talent, but rely on skill and hard work only. We can do that and we should. If, if you have an attitude of telling someone, whoa, 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 that's not my talent. I did the Gallup assessment. I'm not doing this. 
Okay. Well, good luck for you with being a consistent contributor to society or anything successful. You will not be sustainable. So at times, we need to rely on experience, on time, on knowledge, when it's not natural. Okay. I, I have a great personal example in this. My my talents uh, that link to relational themes or emotional themes are overall lower with me. I'm, I'm strong in thinking talents, strategic thinking talents. I'm strong in executing talents. My, my relational talents are low, okay? Uh, which means I'm not a natural sensor of emotion. I'm not natural in understanding or sensing or understanding the needs of people emotionally and connecting with them and supporting them. I'm a bit blind. I fly blind in that area. But I did two things that could be very detrimental to me in having this love. First, I married. And second, I had, I had kids. Now, try to have a marriage, and I'm 25 years married, try to have that without any emotional connection. Good luck. Try to raise children. I have four daughters. Try to raise children without emotional connection, especially daughters. Good luck with that. So how, how can I do it if I'm not natural? Well, not easy, hard, but here's how. Knowledge, learn, read, listen, go to people. Knowledge, skill, practice, make mistakes, try again, practice, talk, do it again. And experience, give it time. I believe I'm a much better father now, 20, 25 years down the line than I was in year one. And I hope I'm a better husband as well. So you do not need specific talents to make you successful. But you will find it more difficult and more effort in areas where it, it does not align. So therefore, there's, there's some of my friends that's got a much easier ride when it comes to emotional things than, than I would have. So that kind of explains the talent knowledge, skill, experience as a package new. It's not either or, it's all together. So, so that also, the way you just explained that actually speaks to like a really radical sense of, uh, of um, knowing ourselves in the sense of, am I talented? Is this easy for me? No, but that doesn't mean because it's important to me that I can't invest the knowledge, skill and time to actually grow in this area. And that, that would mean like taking responsibility and knowing ourselves in the sense of this is easy for me, this is natural, this is not, but it's still important for my life. Absolutely, it, definitely. And, and, and that's where sometimes you get uninformed people who look at the so-called strength-based approach or strength movement. And they make the following statement. They say, the strength-based approach is flawed from the start. It cannot work because it propagates that you only give attention to your natural talents and that you ignore your non-talents or weaknesses. That is not true. You can, you can just hear what I said. 
I, what, the way I put it is invest in your strongest talents, invest in them, give most attention there and embrace your weakness, embrace your non-patterns as we call them. And how do you embrace that? When you need it, work on it with knowledge, skill, experience, time, but not to the detriment of your natural talents. So it's, it's kind of a rhythm or a balance that you have, but you're a full person. You know, Gallup has 34 talent themes identified. And often when I train coaches, I ask them, how many talents do you think you have out of 34? Some people will say, oh, top five. And others will say, no, maybe eight or 10. I believe out of 34, you have 34. You have 34 talents in you. But one of them is extremely strong and another is extremely weak and there's a lot in between. And it's for you to discover where do I get what energy and need strong and where do I deplete? Because that's the opposite is if I don't have energy, I feel what weak, I deplete, I drain, that's my weakness. But it's me, it's still me, you know? Um, I, I, I must be aware, and that's where I say when, when you, you're referring to self-awareness, I must be aware that when I am disengaged or weakened or drained by certain activities or connections or people or environment, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just not how I was wired, but it's me. I must not go for therapy or classes or training to change that into a strength. I can't, but I must manage it well. Otherwise, it's detrimental. And can we get to that point? Because I think that's a really important point, this distinction of um, me trying to summarize what you just said, because I think we covered a whole lot of points there. Um, certain things are strengths and certain, so certain patterns of behavior, thinking, feeling are strengths for us and others are weaknesses. In essence, that means the strengths Uh, or the talents are things we are drawn towards, we have a need for, a yearning, and when we engage with them, they actually give us energy. The weaknesses are patterns of behavior, thinking, feeling that we are uh, repelled from, we're moving away from naturally, and when we engage with them, because we will have to engage with them at some point in time, they actually leave us feeling weaker. So that's kind of the summary of a talent versus a, a weakness. Would that be correct? Yes. So let's, let's get into, into the terminology that's used out there, strength and weakness. So a strength is not something you do well in our perspective. A strength is any activity or engagement that consistently strengthens you. If it makes mm. you feel stronger while you engage in it, It is a strength. And if you manage it well, we're going to talk about this later, but a well-managed talent becomes a strength. A mismanaged talent becomes a detriment. Let's park that for now. Let's, and then a weakness is the opposite of a strength. A weakness is not something you cannot do well. It's something that weakens you when you do it. It drains the life out of you. You resist it. You get tired easily. You don't want to engage with it for a long time. Okay. So, 
So for instance, let's, let's take my number 34, my lowest ranking talent, includer. Okay. So <clears throat> includer is a relational talent theme. That means you have the natural need and energy to include all people all the time and to be included all the time everywhere. So you're inclusive in your relationships. You, you, you always widen the circle and you always want it. And in my case, that's 34. So I am actually an excluder. I don't want to be included and I don't want to include everyone. I include selectively. I choose my friends carefully. I choose my clients carefully. And even if people want to include me, I first have a discussion. Why? Why am I needed? Why should I be there? Okay. If I feel that I'm not going to provide most of, of a, a contribution here, I'll rather not be part. And I don't, I never feel I'm missing out by not being part. And you actually have a natural energy and need for that discernment of whether you want to be included or not. Exactly. Exactly. So, so for me, but here's the thing, whenever I, am an environment where everybody is included all the time and I'm included all the time. I feel weak. I feel drained. I want to go home. I just go like, no, whoa, you know, this is too much for me. Too many new people. Why, you know, and, and this may even happen. For instance, let me take a real example. If friends invite me to come and visit them and I take it up, yes, sure. We'll go. And I look forward to a nice personal evening with my friends and I come there and there's 20 other people that I did not know of. It's going to be a short evening. I'm going to, I'm going to get a headache and excuse myself within half an hour and say, sorry, I, I'm going home. I'm completely drained by this inclusive nature. Now that may sound arrogant. It may sound selfish and it may even become that. And that's the point I want to make. If I go through life, knowing I'm very low in inclusive energy and then acting on it by saying, I'm not including anyone and I never want to be included. I'm not taking up any invitations to anything. Good luck to me for having friends, having relationships and even having clients or having a business. I will fail. So how do I do that? Well, again, getting back to what we said, knowledge, skill, experience, and then being fine with having a more limited nature of inclusion, you know, having, having that um, understanding and, and, and ease with that. And you, you build your world and relationships around that. It, it, it does become more complex, Lucas, in relationships or teams, like in a marriage. It's, it's, it's not the case with this example, but what if I have 34 Included and my wife should have had may have number one included or top five. It's gonna be discussions, or even if you have, and this happens, you know, if you have children with very different talents than you have, and you have to create an environment for them still and they for you, that's where respect comes in, that's where love and acceptance comes in. Same with managing teams. You know, what if you're managing a team and you have team members that will happen? That's a completely different energy and need to what you have because we cannot build teams or relationships 
on skill only. Skill is what you put on a CV. You can do this, but what makes you engage in high performance is much more than what you can do. It's what you want to do. It's your, it's your energy that comes in. And that's where awareness of self and others, and then respect comes in to communicate and understand. Wouldn't you, like, I would imagine you might even take a step further with, you cannot build a team where everybody has the same strengths and talents. Wouldn't it even be really stupid to build a team where everybody has the same strengths and talents? Because then uh, there are, we all want to do the same things. <laughs> so, you're, you're then, you're, what you do if you do that, and, and it happens sometimes, I call it inbreeding. Um, you breed a team that's to be like you. And I've seen that with, with leaders or managers that pick a team that think, feel, and behave like they do. And they fire everyone or resist everyone that think differently like they do. By the way, I can think of some world leaders like that, but let's not go into that. Um, so whenever you feel that you, you're confronted you push them away because you're different. You, you're not allowed to think, feel, or behave different than, than I. We create blind spots then. And the best teams in all circumstances, the best teams in sport, the best teams in business, the best teams in politics, the best teams in, uh, ach, name it, will always be made up of very different type of people with different ways and knowledge, skill, experience, talents with the same objective and the same values and the same direction, but getting there with different perspectives that we respect and align. So you're completely right. Um, we should be very careful. And there's, there's even blind spots created by some talents. There are some of the talents that would want to have people that's like me close. They, they drawn towards that. I want someone that won't rock the boat. I need myself next to me. I don't want opposition, you know, and that can become a blind spot or a detriment in itself. So we've talked about this distinction between skill and talent, and you just mentioned strength as something that strengthens you, which to me would be very close to the way talent is defined as an energy and a need. So what would be the difference between a talent and a strength? Great question. So the main difference is if you take a talent and you refine it, develop it, maximize it, refine it by adding knowledge about the specific area or activity, skill, ability, okay, practice, experience, okay, time of getting into the flow of it, and you manage it well. And, and, and manage a talent is, is the most crucial thing of, thing of talent or team development. Because if you mismanage a talent, it becomes a detriment. It, it becomes an obstacle. The same thing that energizes you will destroy you, okay? The same thing that makes you brilliant will cause a lot of hurdles in front of you. And you, often people don't understand 
why things aren't working out with them in work or relationship or marriage or whatever, because they just who they are. Well, maybe you're not managing this energy and need. It's overplaying energy. So when the energy and need becomes too strong all the time, too self-centered, without seeing the blind spots, because every talent has shadow sides and blind spots. You need to manage that well. You need to, to give boundaries. You need to rein it in. You need to control it in a way. And each of the talents dynamically also have different ways of doing it. So getting to your question, what's the difference between talent and strength? In the bare essence, a strength is a well-developed, clearly aware, and well-managed talent that's applied practically. That's a strength. So even Gallup some years ago, they call it now Clifton Strength. Previously, it was called the Strength Finder. And they even admitted at the time that the word Strength Finder can be misleading. Because when you get the results, what you have strong there is not necessarily your strengths yet. It's an indication of talent that when it combines, lead to strengths. And your, your strengths will then get another, even another terminology because, for instance, my, my top, top talents, ideation, input, intellection, learner, maximizer, to name a few, by themselves are not strengths. Okay, when they combine and I refine them, so I use the creativity of ideation, the knowledge of input, the skill of learner, the maximizer drive, the time of intellection, and I manage that well towards being a trainer or a consultant, that's what I do. My <laughs> training and consulting is my strength. But what drives it? What's the feel behind it? My talents. Therefore, you cannot, and I don't want to run too far with this, but you cannot even use, and you should never use this tool, Strength Finder, as a recruitment tool. Because talents are too dynamic. I mean, the chances of you having the same top five only as someone else is one in 33 million. And, and specific talents aren't linked to specific jobs. You can have a surgeon, a medical doctor that is brilliant in their field. Say a brain surgeon. You can pick five brain surgeons, the five best in the world, and go and assess their talents. Chances are they may have some similarities, but their talents will be vastly different. Why? What's driving them, their fuel, comes from different places, but they chose medicine, they chose neurosurgery out of interest and passion to apply their talents. You can apply similar talents to different areas. That's where interest and passion comes in. If I, I have a passion for leadership and teaching and training, that's why I'm in this field my whole life. I could have, by some means, through exposure in, 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 in my younger years, had a passion for mechanics and motor cars, but the same talents. I believe I would have been a great mechanic then because I would have taken my talents like learner input, analytical maximizer and work on engines. Okay. Can you see that talents is not equal to 
a job description or position. Therefore, it's not a recruitment tool. It is understanding who you are when you do something. And, and I, I think this is a very, very important point. Like, I think you made a couple of very important points. Yeah, the, the first one is actually, I was thinking about that for a couple of weeks now that I find the name Strengths Finder uh, confusing because I think it is a talent finder. So that, potential that, finder even. Yeah, okay. potential finder. So that, that's the first one that's nice to have that clarified. Um, but the second one, I really think deserves a little bit more thought right now is this is that each talent and each strength is always context dependent so it's not like we can develop a talent into a strength like i will just develop my strategic thinker and i do that in in empty space i can only develop my my need and energy for strategic thinking for a specific context. And that is where then the talent can turn to a strength in that context. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. And that's so important that you put it in this way and so clear, uh, Lucas, because that's often what people miss in this. Um, and, and even if you, for instance, when, 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 when I train consultants or coaches in, in, in mastering this tool and, and using it, when I give them a profile, I need, if I get a profile of someone on the one hand, I need to give them the context of the person. So I'll have to say, here's this person's profile. Now let me give you the context. This is a teacher for high school kids in this type of school with this type of passion and this is their story. And I give a short narrative. And then I say, now look at the talents and how would you assist this person as a coach? If I take the context away, I'm blind. I, I don't know where, where do I apply this? Because you can apply the same talents with, with people or objects or things or uh, children, old people, mechanics, uh, emotions. It, it becomes to so context and specificity where you specify and put it down it is as if when your talents are the seeds that need to grow the soil that you plant the seed in that's the context that will make it grow and then the food and water and sunlight you provided that's knowledge skill experience for it to grow in but you need to understand what, what is the soil? What's the environment? You know, is it tropical? Is it desert? <laughs> what type of thing do I need to, to make happen here for it to grow? So yes, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and by the way, that's why I am still after 15 years fully engaged and interested and don't run out of steam to engage with a strength-based approach because every single individual that I always encounter is completely unique, not only in terms of their talents, but in terms of their context as well. Every, every person is a new learning and a new, a new exploration. So you can't get bored of it really because it's a new story every time. And then if you start working with teams or couples or partners or companies, the dynamic integration just becomes amazing that you have. Yeah. So 
I, I really like this distinction and I actually think this is massively important because it completely shifts the way at least I can look at the, at the potential finder. Let's just call it the potential finder. Um, because once we add the context and we add, okay, what are my, what's the energy that's easy for me and how does this apply to my field of work, my field of expertise? then suddenly it becomes like three-dimensional. Before that, it's two-dimensional. Before exactly. that, it's, it's, oh, I can develop this, but it, there's nothing to develop it in. It becomes uh, useful. It becomes useful. It, it, <laughs> yes, that's one you, way of putting it. <laughs> you, take it from, you take it from theoretical science into practical art. And, and to me, that's, that's uh, a cornerstone of what I do is, is uh, talents and strengths are built on science and art. The science is what I always credit Gallup for doing over 50 years. I don't think there's better research than the Gallup research on strengths and the science behind it. It's sound, it's accurate. That's the science. The art comes in when you link the science to the person, to the team, to the partnership, to the context, to the environment. And that is an art. And, and so you can have clinical study and even clinical coaching. Or, and then you can have taking it beyond mere awareness towards real artistic engagement with where the person is the, is the center of this. Yeah, this, this actually leads me directly to one of the drawings that I made. Mm. And we're going to cover this drawing in kind of two ways probably in this call because it came up multiple times while reading your book, which to me is this sense of there's an individual, they have certain strengths, talents, abilities, and from these talents and strengths, there is a certain pull towards something, but this pull goes towards something concrete. It goes towards being a CEO, being an artist, being a mother. And then through adding skills and knowledge, we can bit by bit turn it into real strengths that is always applied to the concrete context. It may be what I develop as a strength in one context doesn't apply to another context. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, keep your, uh, leave, leave, leave your image there because here's another, here's another interesting aspect to what you've illustrated. The same person with the same talents will not necessarily be either a CEO, artist or mother, but can be a CEO and an artist and a mother with the same talents applied differently. Okay. Mm. And, and, and the knowledge skill experience applied differently. So, so the, this, this woman can, can be a great mom and a great CEO and an artist as well through applying the whole mix of what she has, understanding her strengths and her weaknesses. Because some of her strengths may be great at work and struggle at home and others may be great at home and struggle at work and others may more fit into a hobby as an artist and not into a job, but that's what makes the whole person. And, and you address the whole person with, with who you are. You're not, talents is not switched on 
in one environment and switch off. Wherever you go, there you go. So I live inside my head because I have a lot of thinking themes dominant. I'm, I'm a thinker as a father. I'm a thinker as a husband. I'm a thinker as a coach, as a trainer, as a mentor. I'm a thinker as a brother and a son and a friend. I'm always a thinker, but I apply it differently. You know, the way I talk to my kids will be different than I talk to my friends or my clients or, or, or students or so. And that's where self-awareness and understanding of the dynamics of talents comes in. You cannot apply your talents like a mold in every situation and then go into something else and, and be, and I think that's where a lot of people fail either in work or relationships or in other areas because they try to superimpose the same kind of being in different contexts. You can't, but you can apply who you are in different contexts through managing who you are. And that all starts with self-awareness. Yeah, which, which also speaks to a certain level of uh, creativity and flexibility. So this, this woman may, may apply her, her talents more in this way here, but at home yes. it has a slightly different color. And when she's doing art, it has a slightly different color yet. But it's still similar strengths, talents, abilities that she's using. 100%. Great. I love your illustration. I think I'm, I'm with your permission, going to use that in some of my training. <laughs> I, I'll happily send it to you. No worries. You. <laughs> um, and I, I think this brings us to this question that has actually been my biggest question since reading your book, where you talk about managing talents and weaknesses. We haven't talked as much about weaknesses. I imagine we'll cover that a little bit more as we talk about it. And my first question is, what the hell does it mean to manage a talent? What, what, on, what on earth does that mean? <laughs> yes. Okay, so <clears throat> to manage a talent is actually exactly the same than for a gardener to manage a garden or for a cook to manage a recipe and a dish when they bake or when they cook, okay? Um, it is your, the way that you take care of your ingredients and what you have. The way that you nurture it, that you moisturize it, that you feed it, okay? And the way that you protect it and hold it back or hold things away from it. So, so, so let's, because it's first in my mind, let's use a garden. So if, if, if you have a, a vegetable garden, there's, there's specific things you need to understand about different vegetables. If you grow it, the soil it's in, should it have sun or not? Um, should it be protected from birds or insects? And how do you do it? How do you protect it? What should the temperature be? Is it indoors better or outdoors uh, cold? When do you plant it? When don't you plant it? When should you take it out, etc. Now that's all part of being knowledge about what? The science of gardening. These are all scientific facts. This plant grows in the sun and not at night, science. Um, but then the artistry comes in 
when you put your hands in the soil and you start working the garden. So let's go to, to talent management. Each one of us, every individual has got a different recipe and a different wiring that we have. Extremely unique. Certain things are similar. We have similar traits as stereotypical males or females, similar traits. Um, and therefore people will make studies of that. So stereotypical traits of introverts or extroverts, you can have that. Um, but if we dive below that stereotypes into the uniqueness of individuals, we see that although you can have people like say for instance, me and you, both of us are very strong in thinking talents. We share talents like intellection and learner, etc. So, so we're, we're strategic thinking in our, in our being, but we have still different other talents. You're much more of an influencing thinker and I'm more of an executing thinker for, for one. Um, you're, I believe, much more futuristic, activating, strategic. So you foster. I'm very slow. I have slow talents. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've got analytical, I've got more connectedness, I have intellection that slows me down. That has got an impact on our thinking, feeling and behavior and that should be managed. So the, the, you, you manage talents both on their own by understanding it on their own, but also dynamically as it combines and then also in context. So there's three elements to talent management manage a talent on its own, managing it, combining with other talents and looking at the context. We spoke about context at home or at work or wherever. So managing talent is to be aware of the energy of the talent that can overplay or underplay the need of the talent that can overplay or underplay and then certain shadow aspects or blind spots that it links to this energy and need that can become a detriment if you don't watch it and if you don't um, manage it. It's like if you have a plant that needs water, it's fine. But if you give it too much water, it will die. All right. If it needs sun, it doesn't need too much sun, etc. Same with talents. When is it too much? for your environment? When is it too little so it will also uh, uh, die? So let me give, I think, let me give, give an example. Let, let me take a talent that both of us share, intellection. Intellection is a thinking talent. It's probably one of the most classical thinking themes out there. Um, I like also to, to refer to it as the contemplator or the philosopher. And it's a talent that always dives deep. It always wants to go deeper and deeper and deeper, like both of us are doing in this uh, conversation. Our intellection just loves this because we go deeper, deeper, deeper all the time. And there's no bottom to it. We can just carry on, carry on. And it's the need for, for, for that meaningful, deep discussions and thought. Okay. Now let's look at the energy and need of intellection. Intellection gets energized when it has subject matter and often conversation around 
deep, meaningful, impactful subjects that they can discuss or think about. That energizes you. It's got a need. And the need is, yes, also for subject matter, but the strongest need for intellection is time. Time to do what? Time to think, time to talk, time to explore, time to rethink, time to think some more, time to talk again, time to think again. And therefore the nature of intellection will always slow you down and you will need time for it to flourish. So energy need. Now let's look at management. Because of this, sorry, before we look at the management, let's look at the blind spots. One of the classical blind spots of intellection is that someone with strong intellection will struggle to separate or differentiate the world in their mind from the real world out there. What do I mean with that? I mean the following. You can have a discussion with yourself quiet in your mind, talking to someone in your mind. Afterwards, you will struggle to see, did I tell this to that person? I'm sure I did. Or was it just me thinking? And when you talk to that person, you said, listen, remember when we spoke about this, they may look at you and say, what are you talking about? We never spoke about this. And you go, no, we did. You say, say no, we never. I don't know where you came. You, you dreamt it. Okay. Now that's typical intellection. My, my wife came into the habit to at times look at me. She knows the signs of intellection. And then she'll say the following. She'll say, love, you're talking to me, but your lips aren't moving. And that's so spot on. That's intellection. I will be part of discussions without saying a word. I will answer people without moving my lips. I will ask questions without talking. But I'll incredibly engaged with it. Now, for me, you see the point here is not communicating. The point is not having, the point is mental activity. That's the point of intellection, mental activity. That's the energy. It's the energy is not, in, intellectuals don't like to talk a lot. Right? They, they want to think a lot. That's the blind spot. So let's take it to managing. In order to manage it, I should understand that I should make a point of knowing when to turn down my need for intellection in a specific context and when I can turn it up. Okay. For instance, a space where it's not a good idea to give free reign and free movement to a talent like intellection is in a meeting or in a coaching or mentoring session. Because when you sit in the meeting, and you give your intellection free reign, you, you separate yourself from the reality. You stop hearing what everyone's saying and you go into your own mind. That's been a trait of mine since school. I can't tell you how many times in school I got into trouble because the teacher will say something that triggers my mind and I'll look at them and I'll doze off, but I'm thinking and the next moment, the teacher bang on the table and shout at me because I'm looking at them, but ignoring them. I'm not ignoring them. I'm not hearing them. Okay. 
Um, but I, and, and then let me give you another aspect of my intellection at university in my, in my freshman year at university, I actually went to see the psych, psychologists on campus. And I, I told the psychologist, I have voices in my head. The psychologist thought I was a prankster. And he said, listen, get, don't waste my time. But I was very serious. I was so in my mind at university that I have voices talking in my head and I thought I was going crazy. It was only later in my life that I was given the words like intellection, the energy, the need and the characteristic that I realized I'm not crazy. This is actually a talent and I can use it productively if I manage it well. Okay. How should I manage it? Ring fence it. Be attentive not to let it flow in the wrong areas or wrong conversations where you lose track of time. And, and, then, and then you discover, and, and that's points I, 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 in my book, I give specific points or, or markers how you can do this. But for instance, for intellection, the way to manage intellection is to give yourself the intellection what it needs most. And what does it need most? Time. So if you give intellection daily attention and time for downloading, your intellection will flourish in that time and not all over the show. Um, it's, like, it's like giving a little child special one-on-one -on -one attention. And if you, if you do it, then after you gave, played with your child, they'll go and play on their own because daddy gave me attention. But if I never give them attention, they'll be annoying all the time. They want negative attention. Talents does the same. Talents will annoy you for negative attention if you don't give them the time it deserves or the attention it deserves. So for instance, my intellection, less, less now because of the whole uh, COVID situation, but when I drove a lot for my work, it would have been traffic. So when I'm in traffic, okay, or even when I take the train, that's my intellection time. Why? It's safe. I can completely be busy with mechanical driving, but my mind, I'm talking to myself. I don't disturb anyone. Nobody's talking to me. I'm not losing time and all. It's wonderful. And then by the time I get home or get to the client, my intellection is satisfied. And I would do that. So to withdraw and give it daily attention. Now, this is all only one talent, intellection, all right? But I think the principle you're describing is this, you naturally have these impulses and this need for it. And the, and the, and the principle is giving that need and those impulses space and time, but also making sure there are certain spaces where it's not about that. Absolutely. Full stop. And, and, and I imagine that applies to every single one of the talents. Yes. And every single one of the talents have got different needs and different attention. And, and with some, it's clear cut and with others, not so much, you know, for instance, if you take a contrasting theme to intellection, communication, communication is often confused with the skill of communicating. People think the talent of communication, if you have it, you will be great at teaching, preaching, lecturing, public speaking. That's not what communication talent means, okay? 
Um, and often I get that someone who is a teacher or a preacher or a public speaker with low communication, they tell me this report is wrong. I'm great at teaching. Why don't I have communication? And, and then I tell them, because you're confusing ability with sustainability. Communication where intellection is inward silent processing. Communication is verbal expressive processing. You process through talking or through painting or through music or through photography. You make your thoughts visible, audible out there, completely different of intellection. Now, now, communications need is not time. Communications need is to be heard. So they talk a lot. So <laughs> me, in, in, a, in my, my best friends will know how, how do I know if someone is, my, is a great friend of mine? It's when we can sit together for an hour and not say a word and not be uncomfortable. They get me, okay? I don't need to talk. I need to be quiet. Communication, they talk. All, they, they say everything they think or they visualize it. Therefore, often communication is involved in artistic things or expression or music or photography. It's expressive. See and hear what I'm thinking. I want to show it to you and I say it to you. You so, should manage that as well. Yeah, so again, communication is not about I'm good at communicating, but it's about the need to express. And, and we get back to this, and this is so, so spot on, because <laughs> when, when you do the assessment, the Clifton Strengths assessment or any other assessment, it's not about the assessment per se, but when you get your results, the, the biggest mistake that coaches or managers or leaders make when they see the results of someone is that they look at the results in terms of a contribution. What do you contribute? What do you bring to the table? Ah, you have command, you bring assertiveness, you have activator, you will bring implementation. Um, you have communication, you will bring expression. The real way to, to lead someone, manage someone or coach someone is to ask not what do you bring, but what do you need? What do you need? If, and, and that's when, when, when I work with managers uh, and, and working with teams, I tell the managers, if you look at someone's profile, ask, what does this talent need? Because if you, if you give someone in a team or in a relationship, if you supply them with the environment, the resources, the time, the energy to give the talents the need they want, they will contribute. They will perform without you trying to push. Mm. It comes from the need. But if you suppress the need, if someone's got communication and you tell them to shut up all the time, they will, they'll get frustrated and they'll disengage and they won't perform. But if you give them the right environment, link it to a position or activity where they can freely express themselves, they'll thrive and they'll perform well. So getting back to managing of talents, managing a talent is understanding the need understanding the blind spots, the overplay, understanding what to provide it and how to provide it within a context, okay? And then making sure that you give a rhythm 
or an environment to your life where specific talents get what they need at specific times in order for it to thrive and not to become a detriment because a mismanaged talent becomes a detriment. Okay. Um, I, I, I just want to reconnect that to a thing you, you said earlier. Earlier you brought this example of the gardener. Um, so it seems like what you say about looking at the test results and actually looking at how can I give them what they need is actually how it is healthy to look at plants. I look at a potato plant and rather than being like, I planted the potato, now give me the fucking potatoes. Exactly. It's like, I planted the potato. Yeah. Okay, what does this plant need until need. it will naturally give me the results? Me potatoes. And it will multiply. And I'll have yes. many potatoes because I give it the environment exactly. Exactly. That's the principle of talent management and of strength-based leadership, strength-based management, strength-based parenting, strength-based relationship. It's always about understanding the needs, the energy, the essence, and understanding how to manage it well. And I would like to, because this seems to be mostly about, um, so while I was thinking about this, because I was trying to figure out what does it mean to manage our talents, it seems like most of what you've been talking about is managing the needs of talents. Where is the space for this talent and where is not the space for it? Yes. But I also imagine that we can actually manage the energy of our talents in the sense of where do we apply them? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how you do it. Apply it correctly. There's, there's a space for my intellection and there's a space where it should be turned down and not function. There's a space for my maximizer, you know, there's a space for my analytical and that's how I manage the energy by bringing it full on. And, and when managing it, it means it's, it, we should be careful not to see talent management as always being limiting or holding back. Talent management also means the opposite. It means when the situation is right and ready. You turn it up fully. You turn up the volume a hundred percent and you get your talent out there and loud. So when the, when the environment is right for my maximizer, I should not hold back. I should maximize completely. I should make impact. I should be in someone's face. I should push them for growth. All of that. I shouldn't hold back. That's well-managed maximizer but it depends. So uh, there's something that comes with this when I often use the word awareness. Awareness is not only awareness of the nature of the talents. It's also linked to emotional intelligence. People without emotional and social intelligence struggle to manage their talents because a lot of the understanding of this when you say about when do I let it go? When do I use it? A lot of that is only clear through social awareness and emotional awareness, where you understand the dynamics of a group, where you understand the emotions of a person. Sometimes you should know you should shut the hell up and not talk. Other times, you know, you should now speak up and not be quiet. How do you know that? Emotional, social intelligence that often comes through time and experience, etc. So, 
but, but which is also again contextual we're back to that contextual piece absolutely full-on full-on contextual therefore examples when you look at examples of people or leaders or so that mismanage their talents completely you will often if you study them you'll see a lack in emotional or social intelligence you know that you'll you'll see there's something missing there they don't get people they they don't get you know the deeper sense um and 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 that causes the talents then to become a detriment it it fluctuates and um i have a model that that i use to to train coaches but when when someone is in a zone of flow of impact zone where they flow all the time there's a consistency of fulfillment and 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 performance when people mismanage their talent we get fluctuation so people are having a success then they lose everything then they start something then they stop it then they have a girlfriend then they lose the girlfriend then they marry then they divorce then they're happy then they're not it's you 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 see a pattern i'm not talking about specific failures or struggles in life we all have but i'm looking about a pattern in someone's life where you go you look at them and you go such a brilliant person why do they seem to never make it they, they, you know it's like a big dipper and and you always feel when you get a message ah they got this new job you know and it's such a great position it's as if you go like I wonder how long this one's gonna last. And then, hold and behold, six weeks later, they lose the job. Often mismanaged talents, you know? So there is brilliance. It's there, but it's not sustainable. That's the problem. And um, I also had a third thought on what it means to manage talents, which is something I would like your, your thoughts on, which would be, um, not just managing the energy or the need, but actually managing the development of the talents. So consciously seeing what can I add as skills and knowledge to further this talent into a strength. Would that be something that you would take as Absolutely. part of the development, uh, the management too? Absolutely. Um, because that actually flows from the need part of what talents need. All talents need to be developed. And uh, development can be very different things. The development of a relational talent like empathy would be very different than the development of analytical as a talent. Um, the development of intellection will be different than developing significance, etc. Um, and but it's tied to to different. It's sometimes tied to people. Part of your development is who do I spend time with. Um, who do who do I gravitate towards to mentor me? Who who where can I get support? Part of development can be tools that I select to use, practical tools, software, apps. Okay, uh, one uh, I I have the the talent of adaptability, and I will tell you without specific time management apps, my adaptability runs wild because adaptability is about being responsive in the moment and chaotic. I respond to all the things at once. I need to manage that. How do I do it? I use apps. It's part of development. I use reminders on my phone. I use 
different things to, to do it because I can't have a person next to me that helps me all the time, but technology helps me. So we need to think creatively. How can we help our talents to thrive and not to become detrimental? It can even be training, education, schooling can be part of it. You can, you can enroll in skills by training that certain talents thrive and, 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 and they love to do it, you know. Um, there's exposure. A part of talent de uh, development that's very important is where do I expose myself, you know. And, and it can be exposure to activities, to hobbies, to cultures, to different uh, types of people, to different environments, to nature. Is various things that you can discover in order to develop your talents. But yes, that's <laughs> part of managing it. Um, because if you don't do any of that, the talent will stagnate and it will simply mm -hmm. not go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm not fully sure if this is the next logical step or a small jump right now, but let's go. My, my, my thoughts have been returning to one part of your book, which has been, which is the golf metaphor, because I imagine the golf metaphor actually applies to certain, um, to this quite directly. So you have this metaphor of, um, of saying living our life is a little bit like a game of golf. We have a goal that we want to get to, which in a way is something we want to reach, but also a, a zone of excellence in different areas of our life. So again, we had the CEO, mother artist, um, and to get there, we have to play the golf course, which has the fairway, which is basically us living in accordance with our talents, the rough, which is the meh, I can do that, but it's not my talents. And we have the out of bounds and bunkers, which is basically shit. I'm really bad at this. And living our life means managing the whole course. Mm. to get there. Mm. And I'm, I'm really curious because you introduced it in the area where it was about managing talents. Like, how do you look at this game of golf in, yeah. or this metaphor? So Lucas, I'll, uh, I'll tell you why I came up with this uh, metaphor, where it started. It started because I realized that people do an assessment in this case, Clifton strengths, they get the results a sequence of 34 words and they have no idea what to do with it. They even get reports on it and print it out and read it, uh, but they don't know where to focus and, and, and when, when what is relevant. And then there's certain misconceptions that starts getting out there um, in, in social media, etc., that people start to follow. Uh, and, and that was, I believe, never the intent of the tool, but just becomes popular. So it becomes pop science, popular science. And, and one of this that, that I believe, and I'm, I'm convinced, uh, you know, the owners of Clifton Strengths at Gallup will, will completely agree with me. One of this pop science that came out is that it's all about your top five. Okay. So uh -huh. if, you know, if you know your top five, that's your strengths. Uh, top five is incidental in the sense, if you look at the history of the report, it is just that many years ago when they wanted to introduce the assessment, 
they used the top five as a cheaper version to give them a taste of the report. The report is a 34 report, and this is just a taste of it. So it's like top five is like the menu, not the meal. And now people look at the menu and they go, I have the meal. No, you don't. Okay. Why is this? Um, because although top five is the strongest of the strong ones, um, it's also not true that it's only your top five that is relevant every day. Uh, what, what the researchers at, at Gallup actually found out is that we function dominantly out of our top 10 to 12 talents every day. So if you look at your dominant talents, it's a mixture of your top 10 to 12. So what frustrates me and why I came up with this metaphor is that I would engage with people or teams, especially in teams, and they will look at only top fives. And then they'll make a statement of, they look at the top five and they go like, ah, oh, I have no thinking themes, not at all. So I can't help you guys with strategy or ideas or anal analysis at all. In my top five, I'm only executing and influencing for instance. Now, if someone says that, I look at them and I say, you know, you're looking, if you look at the top five, you look at 15%, 1-5% of who you are. If I would judge you in any other way of life on 15% of what I know, would you agree with that? No, you won't. You'll tell me you can't judge me on 15% of experience. Why do you do that with the assessment then? Because what if your number six, seven, eight, and nine are all thinking? Then suddenly the whole dynamic change, your dominant every day is now four out of the 10, 40% of it is now thinking. Now you became a thinker. Now what now? Okay. So, that was the one reason that, that spurred me. I need to get a metaphor, a language out there to help people to, to look at it holistically. All right. The, the other thing is the sequence. It's also another frustrating thing to me is that people look at the sequence, one, two, three, four, five, and then they go like, ha, ah, Lucas, I have intellection at number three. You have it at number six, for instance. I'm stronger than you in intellection. So I'm the thinker. Okay. So we overplay the importance of the sequence. Okay. And the sequence of your talent themes are not that important because if you, what research has also shown, if you take, and this is often a question about the assessment. Yeah, but it's contextual. I, if I redo it, in four years time, it will be completely different. Okay, go waste your money and redo it and you'll see it's not so. If you're honest, what changes is the exact sequence may change slightly, but the clustering of dominant top 10 to 12, the, the lesser talents in the middle and the non-patterns at the bottom stays very much the same over time, over your life because it's hardwired in the first 14 to 16 years of your life. You don't change. You're not, you're not in one job now. It's very important for you to have structure and order and discipline. And then you change jobs and suddenly you became chaotic and unplanned and you're not, no, wherever you go, there you go. 
so it stays. And I, I, I was looking for something to show people, stop looking at the limited part and stop looking at the sequence. Look at the whole, whole picture. And there comes golf. How do you play golf? Where do you play golf? Okay. If, if I would, and you don't have to be a golfer to know this, um, but golf is not, I don't know if they know putt-putt all over the world, you know. Golf is not putt-putt, okay. Golf is also not a driving range. Golf you play on a golf course. And a golf course has got a natural basic layout to it. All golf courses are more or less the same layout, which comprises out of a fairway. And the fairway is nice and and visible, clean, short grass, easy to play, easy to see. Then you have so the, the fairway rough. in this in this drawing. The fairway is the the wonderful green yes. line that goes directly to the goal. Yes, it goes to the green. So you have the fairway, and the fairway is inviting and it's easy to play, and you want to play on the fairway. That's why great golfers stay on the fairway as much as possible. But you can be Tiger Woods or any else. You will at times go off the fairway. It's natural. And then you go into the rough. And the rough is taller grass, trees, bushes. It's, it's full of obstacles that you have. Sometimes in the rough, you have to look for your ball. You can't find it. It's difficult to play because there's grass in the way. And, and, and sometimes you can't even see where you need to play. Now, my question is, if you're in the rough, are you disqualified now? Do you go home because you're off the freeway? No, it's part of golf. You're fully in the game still. You just have a tougher game to play because you, you play off the fairway. Now, let's take it back to our dominant themes. If you need to pull on lower talents that's not in your top 10, if you need to pull on a talent that's at number 15, 16, or 17, are you out of the game of life now? No. Do you, do you still play? Yes. How do you play? Different tools, different skill, and different knowledge. But I can play. But what would any golfer tell you if in the rough, where do you play to? Play back to the fairway. As much as possible, get on the fairway. Where, where's your fairway in talents? Your dominant themes. Get back into the area where you can naturally play your best game. So, so, so maybe to, to try to make this a bit more concrete, it's like, I know that in my job, there, like, there are certain aspects of my job that are really great for me, but there are certain aspects of my job that come up regularly where I have to do things that are not my absolute strengths. And then one of the things would be, how can I do that? What are the skills, tools that help me with that? But how can I use those to bring me back to the zone where things are easier for me? Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, well put. Then I also refer to, so you have the fairway, you have the rough, and then you have the bunkers or out of bounds. Now the bunkers are either sand, sand pits, or it's water, dams, or it's completely out of bounds where you cannot go and play. Okay. Now, let's say, for instance, you play a shot and it's in the sand or even in the water. Again, same question. 
are you disqualified now? The game over, pack up, go home. No. What happens now? Well, if it's in the water, immediately there's a penalty shot against you. You cannot go under in the water. So you have to take a new ball, put it next to the water and play, but one stroke against you. So you get penalized. It doesn't mean you lose the game. You just get penalized. Okay. If it's in the sand, you need to get out of the sand pit. Is it possible? Uh, absolutely. How? Use the right tools. Use a sandwich. Don't use a putter. Don't use a driver. Use a sandwich. There's a different skill to play in the sand pit. And the idea is just to get the ball out. It's not go for distance. Okay. My point is, if on the strength report you go into your non-patterns, which is usually from about number 27, 28 to 34, where your talents become a, a, a resistance. Oh, I don't like this. I don't want to be included. I don't want to be structured. I don't want to be empathetic. Where that happens, it's part of the game. And if you play the game, you need to know how to get yourself out of that situation or deal with the detriment because sometimes it will be detrimental to your relationships or your job because you'll say stupid things you'll do stupid things okay you'll think stupid things make bad decisions because it's not natural to you the game goes on so my point a while back i told you how many talents do we have 34 not only five or ten the 34 talents, to understand them, know what they do to you and know where you rank in them more or less, helps you to play the whole game of life like you play the whole game of golf. And therefore, you don't give up if you're in the rough. You don't give up if you're in the bunker. You just pick up a different skill set. You pick up a different tool and you play it, but you play back to your best game and your best game will always be in where you are best now it may be that you can become brilliant at playing difficult shots okay i i i once um had a at a workshop that i did with the leadership team and we did it at at the golf estate and that afternoon they went to um play golf and they invited me now because my golf is terrible, I've learned not to play with clients. Um, so I offered to, to drive the golf cart. So I drove the golf cart for them. And, um, and I observe, I love to observe when, when people are out of their business minds and, and just, and, but the previous day in our workshop, I explained to them the golf metaphor. So going on and as they play, you know, they made jokes about this metaphor as they go on. And then the one guy played whoops into the sand and everybody go, ah, you know, and, 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 and he said, don't worry. It's part of the game. Everybody laughs. He took his sandwich and it was a very difficult lay that he had in this bunker. He concentrated and he played a magnificent shot out of the bunker about 20 meters rolling into the hole and everybody freaked Whoa! and clapped hands and he went and then he turned to me and he said, Dries, your metaphor is just proven wrong. And I looked at him and I say, oh really? Do it again? And he was quiet. And I told him, if you can do this five times in a row, my metaphor is wrong. 
my metaphor is correct because you used the right equipment and skills to get out of trouble. That's exactly what you must do with your lesser talents. If you have the right equipment and skills to play in your weakness, you can play a brilliant shot. You can act empathetically in exactly the right way towards a friend, even if you have empathy 34. Out of what? Knowledge, skill, experience, not talent. It does not excuse you to play a terrible game if you practice the game of life. So for me, the golf metaphor helps us to understand like talents is about strengths and weaknesses and lesser talents applied well-managed, contextually understanding, being aware of who I am and then embracing it and not being afraid of failure, but playing our best game anywhere where we have to. I like your, your metaphor and I think this is a wonderful space where we can also find a closure in the next few minutes because we've had a long conversation already, but intellection likes that. Um, I still feel very energized. Um, but two thoughts that just come up to me when you speak about that is this perspective and this metaphor of the goal for me allows this one perspective I see with clients who come to me that when they're stuck here, that they will be like, oh, now everything's lost. And they'll kind of just dwindle on and not get out of there. So rather than knowing, oh, I'm in the area of, of my skill sets or my talents where I'm weak, how can I get back there? Exactly. Just kind of take on this perspective about themselves of, oh, no, see, I'm, I'm not yeah. good enough. So I really like that this is included. And the second thought I just had is, Yes, I can hit a good shot from the bunker, but e even if I do that, it will take me more effort than hitting the shot from here because I will have to focus more. It's way more difficult. Even if I'm just like, an in, like a, a millimeter off, the shot will go completely wrong. So it just takes more energy, which is again this level of, um, is, it, is it energizing for me or not? And if you're in a good position, you will, you will find the hole, the target, seven out of 10 times. If you're in the bunker, one out of 10. Mm -hmm. So it's how you position yourself. And something else, remember one of the assets we have is other people, that strong where we are weak. So when you had that image of being stuck in the, in the rough, sometimes we need someone else to hit for us to get us back mm -hmm. and we should understand that a lot of the game of life in business and personal life is teamwork it's partnership sometimes i cannot get unstuck on my own i need a friend a partner a coach a trainer a leader to help me get unstuck when they have the talents to do that for them it's clear it's easy it's an easy shot for me it's yeah, a possible shot it would, it would be in this metaphor, it's like, this is my out of bounds, but actually for somebody else, it's a green. this yes. is the fairway. Exactly. With their my, talents, this is, yeah. My, my, my rough and out of bounds is someone else's fairway. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that makes the best teams. Where you have a team that can play different areas extremely well, partner up and become a winning team. 
I mean, that was a very inspirational close, wasn't it? <laughs> just <laughs> talking about teams and also talking about the goal. I just want to say thank you very much for this conversation. I feel like I've, we've covered a whole lot of ground and I have a many things to think about. And yeah, just want to say thank you. Anything you want to say before we close this, this recording off? Yeah, thanks. I, I really had fun. Uh, thank you for, for the opportunity and um, for reaching out with us. And maybe sometime in the future, let's do a follow-up. There's so much more we can explore, you know. So I, I am. We can, uh, you know, explore maybe specific talents in detail a bit more, you know, because today we, we covered a lot of principles and that's important. But now if you get specific, that's another another ball game that we can go into. But thank you, Lucas. I really appreciate this. And um, and yeah, go go live your talents, explore them, develop them, and make an impact. Yeah, I'll I'll just take that and say stop here. <laughs>